The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. P Nate, Elder P, Wetsy, Garage Mahal. We are very tired today. Back in the country? Back in the country. Back from it's Kentucky, yep. the heartland of America. I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true, but... <laughs> is it, is Kentucky's the gateway to the Bible Belt? One of these analogies has to be true. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep uh, saying other things. Prodigal America? No, I don't know. Just keep words. Yep. Words. Say words. Uh, we were at the Fight Laugh Feast conference. Yep, which are, was in Kentucky at the Eric Encounter. Perfect. And we are proud members of the Fight Laugh Feast network. And we had a delightful time down at the conference. So today we're going to talk about that. Yeah, it was awesome. We'll talk a little bit about that. Just uh, a little bit of housekeeping. One of the things that we're going to try to do is keep you up to date about what's going on. So obviously, we talk a lot about what's going on at the church, but my other role is that of the Canadian director of the Ezra Institute. And so just kind of want to make you guys aware of some things that are coming up in terms of opportunities from the Ezra Institute. There's a couple big ones. So for those of you who are in South Carolina, Took me a second. I'm looking at my calendar here. I said we were tired. Yeah, we are tired. First of all, I mean, anybody who's from South Carolina, there's a great conference called the Spark Conference. You can just Google Spark Conference, South Carolina. It'll come up. Uh, I'm speaking there with Joe Boot, with Mike Thiessen, with Tim Stevens, and a few people. And that's a Liberty Coalition event, but it's very quickly becoming an Ezra thing as well. Anyway, I get a chance to speak there. And what they're doing is they're actually bringing down some Canadian pastors to talk about how the reformational foundation of a lot of the Canadian pastors is what equipped us in order to respond the way we did during COVID and kind of talk through reformational thinking and and how ecclesiology and the church interact with the culture around us. So the dates for that are October 31st and 1st in South Carolina in Charleston. And you can just Google Spark Conference to find that. Spark is a great like weird name for a conference that I was pretty, but it's, it is funny that there's an American conference. It's being hosted in South Carolina, bringing down a whole bunch of Canadians to talk about the resistance. Like for the first time in our lives, it feels like Canada is a completely foreign nation to the U S like we'll talk about the conference. But when I was down there, that was, I actually felt a little culture shock when normally I don't when I'm in the, in the U S because it's like, Oh, all the things that used to be true about Canada, like they were polite, nice, like, aren't true about us anymore. It's just funny that there's an American church hosting a conference to talk about how the faithfulness of the Canadian church Mm. and what can't we do up in Canada? Have churches that have conferences about the faithfulness of our Canadian churches because half of them aren't, more than half. Yeah, seriously. it's um, There are more events for Ezra, though, that we should talk about. The other things that are going on is the Mission of God Conference. So we actually have two of them coming up here in Canada. The first one is on December 2nd. 
That one's at uh, Harvest Windsor in Windsor, Ontario. And the other one is in Calgary on the 9th, a week later. So they're both on the Saturday, Saturday the, the 2nd and the 9th. One is at Harvest Windsor in Windsor, Ontario. The other one is at Fairview Baptist Church, which is Tim Stevens Church in Calgary. And are you speaking at both those? I'm speaking at the one in Ontario. I'm not speaking in Calgary. My wife is due to have a baby days before that. So I won't be in Calgary, but it's a great lineup of speakers, actually. So in Windsor, it'll be myself, it'll be Joe Boot, and it'll be Aaron Rock. In the Calgary one, we have, instead of me, uh, Peter Jones, who's much more accomplished than I am, so you get better speakers if you go out to Calgary. Also, Ted Fenske is going to be there, and he's written a great book about medicine and culture and Christianity that's uh, available on the Ezra Institute website, but he'll also be there. Um, What's cool, though, and and this maybe is pertinent to some of our listeners, so I would encourage you, come to the Mission of God conference, whichever one is closer, Ontario or Calgary. Come say hi. We'll both be at the one in Ontario. And obviously Joe and and the rest of the group will be out in Calgary, but come and support the Ezra Institute at one of those two conferences. And if you are a church leader in particular, so whether you're a pastor, whether you're an elder, or whether you are a, a church ministry leader, deacon at your church, whatever the case is, on both evenings before, so like I said, the 2nd and the 9th, those are both Saturdays. So on the 1st and on the 8th in the evening, there's a church leadership training session. So the theme of the Mission of God conference is redeeming sexuality, is Christianity, identity, trans ideology, all that kind of stuff. So it's basically a biblical look at biblical sexuality. But what we want to do in the practical application for church leaders on the Friday evening before, and there'll be a little dessert and coffee and all that kind of stuff, is each of the speakers will present something in terms of practical church ministry. So we'll be talking about for parents who might have kids who are gender confused, for youth pastors who have teenagers who are asking questions about this stuff, for pastors themselves with bills like Bill C-4 in place, how can churches and church leadership faithfully navigate some of the practical stickiness of this situation in the culture that we live in? Those will only be short, practical presentations followed by Q&A. So if you have any questions about some of this stuff, I would really encourage you, make sure that when you go to the website, theezerinstitute.com, and you just go up to the, uh, the training programs tab and you go on the Mission of God, you'll see that you can register for Mission of God Ontario or Alberta, and you can also register for the pre-conference, which is these practical applications for church leaders, and I'd highly encourage you to go to that. Our spouse is invited to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. There's no credentials required. If you think that you would benefit from that, even if you aren't a church leader, you're more than welcome to register for that. And that part's free. It's just a free tag on to the uh, the conference for anybody who would see some practical help. And there's some going to be some people who are coming into town the night before because the conference starts early the next Saturday morning. So it's just a tag on kind of bonus feature. So the rebels are invading Windsor, is what you're saying. That's the plan. That's the plan. If you're in the Detroit area, this is your chance, man. That's right. Come see us. Yeah, we drove through uh, Detroit to get down to Kentucky. And let me say, that was my least favorite part of the drive. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) Michigan is not a great place. The the I-75 is like in rough shape in Michigan. And the minute you cross the border into Ohio, the roads get better. There's a a joke about college football that you don't know anything about, but I'm going to tell you. Because... Michigan is rivals with obviously Ohio State. Makes sense. And so there's the the joke is like all the people who go to Ohio State that get put into penitentiaries fix all the roads in Ohio. So it's like, <laughs> um, so that's um, funny. Yeah. All the listeners of Ohio just turn me off now. Yeah, for that's better, right. but anyway, hey, what, that's what were Chris you? at Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite running joke we have. By the way, can I also just say I can't believe the nickname hasn't struck me before that we should be we should now be referring to you as mini boot because mini like, boot? yeah well you've t- you're the mini boot oh, uh, oh, oh I, gotcha, like, I gotcha 
you've taken over as the director in Canada. He was previously fulfilling that role while he was here. Now he's obviously still the director of Ezra. And then you're a pastor. He was a pastor. You've kind of got a dodgy like beard going on. And I just need the accent now, right? Is that what I'm hearing? That's I, what, just that's need exactly to, right. I need to write a you know 900-page monumentous work, shave my beard into a goatee, and develop an, uh, an accent. But you need to call the book Mission of God 2. <laughs> the, the true mission of God, the real mission of God. The sequel. Um, Don't fire me, Joe. Yeah. So uh, we were down in Kentucky, and it was an awesome time. So we just kind of want to talk about that a little bit. First of all, we just talked about the Ezra Institute. Let's talk a little bit about the Fight Laugh Feast Network. I would just say, like, if you listen to us, maybe you're a longtime listener. You've been listening to us. I think we figured out like seven years we've been doing this. That's crazy to me. Yeah, this is your seven. And I think we've been a part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network for the last three or so. And I would just say, like, we've always been a big fan of what they've been doing. And then when they expanded their network into Canada and all that kind of stuff, we were really thrilled to be a part of it. But it's just a phenomenal network. Like, there's really good podcasts on here. On the Canadian side, obviously, you have the Ezra podcast for Cultural Reformation. You have uh, Aaron Rock on Leadership Now. That's really solid. But on the American side, obviously, Cross Politics sort of the flagship. But there's some really good podcasts that continue to go on. Theology Podcast is still on there. And like even in the bullpen with Dewey, if you're like a baseball fan or whatever, there's just lots of really good content coming out of the app. And so what we would just say is the best place for you to even listen to the Rebels, even if we're the only ones you listen to on the podcast network, we would for say, shame. we would say, well, first of all, we'd say thank you, <laughs> but you are getting robbed because we are by far the least of these. But the best place for you to actually listen to us, whether you listen to just us or, or multiple podcasts on the network, is download the app. It, it really is the best way to get the content, partially because it puts all of our analytics in one place, which is really helpful. But on top of that, it's just, and the app is uncancelable. I shouldn't say uncancelable, but it's a little bit harder. There's a lot of regulations. And, and for those of you who don't know, we haven't really talked about this much, but King Trudeau, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has actually pushed through some legislation that actually makes podcasts responsible for the same requirements as radio. In Canada, there's all kinds of restrictions that the government places, mandates that the government places on radio that everything from employees and diversity and, and all that affirmative action junk, but also just how much Canadian content has to be in, like how much we have to talk about Canadian content. But then it also then falls under all of the same hate legislation and, and everything, all of the same standards that radio hosts are privy to. And so they're now regulating podcasts in the same way, which just means that, that it's very likely that in the near future, whether it's Podbean or iTunes, Apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you listen to us on, it's very likely that they'll drop us at some point soon because they don't want to. It's, it's in the same way that as Canada continues to restrict news, right? So if you're in Canada right now, you can't actually access news on social media anymore except for government-regulated news programs. So if you want Canadian news on Facebook, you have to get it through the CBC. You can't get it through alternate news sources. And it's just our slow slide to North Korea-ism. But just so you know, so it is actually worthwhile for you to download the Fight Left East app. That's really good advice because like one, it is a convenient thing to have all your stuff there, but it also helps because we believe what the network is pushing is, is gospel-centered content, right? Yeah, we, and absolutely. it's not just about 
what we talk about on the podcast, like the vision of the Fight Laugh Feast is to take back TV. It is to take back media in all aspects. And the only way we can do that is if people are supporting the work of the ministry. We almost need to like repent a little bit of like, we haven't done a good job, us and all the other, of just kind of highlighting, like we say we're a part of the Fight Laugh Feast, but we like pushing some of the other things that are happening. Cause like yep. you said, there is like, if you're a baseball fan, we're in the postseason right now, right? So yeah. there's a podcast that's just strictly about baseball. There's podcasts that are about like, you name it. If there's gaps in our podcasting network, well, there's an opportunity for somebody who wants to get into it, right? Yeah, like, there's like business stuff. How to build a tent is obviously on there. Uh, A.D. Robles is on there and he does a lot of kind of very practical there's theology. There's rumors of fishing shows and things like that. Yeah, so. seriously. The Campus Preacher, all kinds of stuff. So whether it's evangelism, you know, business, whatever the case is, there's lots on there. And if you become a, a club member, which we highly would recommend that you do, there's actually extra behind the scenes content that not everybody knows about. There's videos and, and stuff like that, that people don't uh, necessarily know is there, but it, it all comes as perks of club yeah. membership. So, and if you, if I get, I'll make it a low number, like 10, if 10 people write in and say <laughs> they want me to do like a footy, like soccer podcast every week, like Wetsy will gladly listen to me talk about it. And I will come and I will talk about it by myself because Nate won't come. Just throwing this out there. like, So if 10 people Ten. write to rebelpodcastflf at gmail.com and yep. say that they want Chris Poots to do a soccer, podcast. a soccer podcast to the glory of God, yes, you will do it. 100%. Wow. 100%. Okay. You heard it. You heard it, folks. There's no chance in our audience that we get 10 people to who, say yes. Who would be like, who are the soccer fans of the church that you could like bring on it? Like... Like, well, there's, a, there's I feel like a, it's a dangerous thing to put you in front of a mic and it's just you and it, that it, that will very quickly become what grinds Pooty's gears, <laughs> Every, whether it's soccer related or not. <laughs> everything grinds my gears. Somehow I'll be ranting about something. Yeah. It's, it's like Corey Fox. Like who's, who, who would be the guy in the church that you would, do you have any f- soccer fans? Oh, there's tons of, so- okay. tons of soccer Jared fans. Jared Petman on the, on the show. Is that the. J- Jared Petman is a soccer is fan. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Jan Mulder, soccer fan. I'm just naming names now. Like okay. Michael DeWitt, soccer fan. Fair There's enough. lots, but I don't think any of them listen to our podcast. Well, Jared does, <laughs> but anyway. Let me ask you a question then, because okay. we, we were just down at the conference, which yeah. was at the Ark Encounter. Yep. Before we even talk about the conference itself, was that the first time you've seen the Ark? Yeah, I'm glad you, I was going to do the same thing. I just thought, like, let's talk a little bit about the venue, because I would say, did you guys get down to the Creation Museum? No, I came down uh, basically the day the conference started, so yeah, okay. I didn't get a chance to do anything but the conference. So Chris went down with a good uh, fan of the show, Paul Toshik, um, who's a friend of ours, and uh, you guys went down and had a good old boys' time. I went down with the family, uh, so we went down a day early. We got an Airbnb and kind of made a little family getaway out of it. On Tuesday, we went to the Creation Museum. The Creation Museum was awesome. It's about 45 minutes away from the Ark, so it's not too, too bad. And we got an Airbnb right near the Ark, so we knew we'd be there more often. But we went to the Creation Museum on uh, the Wednesday. The conference started on the Wednesday evening, but it started off the Ark encounter at, uh, there was a beer and psalm sing, which incidentally was right down the street from our Airbnb. It was on the same street, eh? Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, that's where yeah. it was like four It was funny that we, we drove to Kentucky separately. And we pulled in and literally parked beside each other yeah. and without coordinating that. Yeah, and we're yeah. like, can't get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we, we went to the Creation Museum on uh, on Wednesday and it was it was awesome. Like really cool information there. Lots of they do that very, very well. 
beautiful grounds, the Creation Museum itself, lots of information, I think. So my, my kids are eight, six, four, and one on the way. And I would say it was probably a little bit information overload for a lot of them. My eight-year-old really liked it. She can read the, the signs and stuff herself. But a lot of the, like the other kids, they were relying on us kind of, you know, explaining some of the exhibits and reading some of the stuff to them. But it was great. They really enjoyed that. But like the Ark Encounter, which we went to the, the next day, blew them away. So when you get there, you park and you have to take a bus shuttle back to the Ark because it's way back on their property. They have, they must have hundreds of acres there. I don't know how yeah, many it looks it, is. Like, it looks like a massive piece of land. And honestly, so the, the kids are all like, do you think the Ark is as big as our house? Do you think the Ark is as big as our church? Do you think? And then like, as you come around, like out of that little gully and like pull up and you see the Ark, all the kids like faces glued to the side of the bus and just going, whoa, like it was, it was pretty cool. And I, what I would say is like, even for me, as a guy who's like apologetically, right, as a kind of pastor and cultural apologist and everything, I've answered that question about how does Noah fit all the animals onto the ark and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've researched that. I, I have a, a, an apologetic answer for that when we're out doing uh, street evangelism and stuff like that. But seeing it was totally different. Like suddenly you can visualize how they do it. They did a great job of showing like, oh, they could have had the reptiles and all these baskets in this area and they could have had these there. And it's laid out in a way that you're like, I can see it. I can see it in my mind's eye. You know what I mean? It was spectacular. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big tourist. Like, so like I don't get excited about like seeing sites like a picture's good enough for me. But the arc did blow me away just because of like, one, I can cognitively understand the size, but then standing there and being like, this is an unbelievable undertaking that Noah would have had to had yeah. to do. And I was just like, just seeing it, I was taking it back is probably the right way to, right, I was just yeah. like, this is unbelievable. And then going through, I had the, I had the same thought to me because like in my brain, me and Colleen, your wife talked about this. Like, yep. I think mentally I just kind of pictured they're just all kind of Roman free and like, and somehow they're just like, God's either put them to sleep or just makes them not kill each other while they're, and it's like, Oh no, there was like, there was deliberate, even though I obviously know God is a very, like he's meticulous and he's detailed. Yep. Like he's created the, everything the, like so perfectly. So it would make sense that he's given Noah specific in, inspiration of how to, how to do it. Now the ark takes like artistic liberties. Obviously we, yep. we, we weren't there. We don't know. But like just seeing the visual, like, oh yeah, it's not that unfathomable to think that they got all this stuff on there. And like the part where it's like you're in the museum, if you haven't been there, this is this isn't great, but like just showing how they would have like replenished the water, get rid of the waste, yeah. like this is so cool. And then just like all the like visuals of like this is would it be like to be see the arc on the actual water and how it would like even kind of break the waves, because like just the visualization of all that was like so helpful to like almost like reaffirming the trust you have in some of the stories that are very familiar in the Bible that it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is logical. It's not even just, you don't have to take this just on faith. It's logically, this makes the most sense. Like I thought that was phenomenal. I'm not a big sciencey kind of guy. So like I read everything. <laughs> not into the science. Like, but I like about the rock layers and all this stuff like yeah. that. That's cool. Little ones that they like with the plane in it and, and with the snow, I can't remember uh, what they called it, but like you saw that one where it's like, using their data, this would have been thousands of years. And it's like, we, yep. but we know it's not like just little things like that. I'm just like, I don't know how somebody who wasn't a believer could go to the ark and not walk away, at least being like, I have to investigate if this part of scripture might not be true. That was kind of where my mind was like, how many people come through this and how many would you say are not saved? And apparently it's about 300,000 non-believers a year. A year. A year. That's an unbelievable witness. 
know yeah. what I mean? Because this is like a biblical truth that's like, you can't make this stuff up. Like nobody, I, don't, I think you would have to literally have your heart hardened by the Lord mm. to walk through the ark and not be challenged at the very least about everything you think you know is true. Like even though like they had this one visual of like, what would it be like if it was, and this will kind of tie to what we were going to talk about in terms of the conference, but if it was just a, a localized flood and it was like a mountain and then all of a sudden there was like this like, sheer cliff of like all the water. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like just little things like that, where it's like even handling Christian objections to the story of Noah's Ark was brilliantly, brilliantly done. I can't speak apparently. Yeah. I I thought so too. And I think one of the things I guess that blew me away is I've, I've always known about answers in Genesis. And obviously we have Cal Smith, who's the Canadian director. He's, he's a leader at our church, but just how well Answers in Genesis has done it all, right? They kept the gospel at the forefront. You know, almost every exhibit had some sort of gospel hook. And I would even just say, like, we heard Ken Ham was one of the speakers at the conference. And man, I was super impressed. Like, he seems like a solid guy who's like standing firm against woke ideology and all this kind of stuff. Even the shirts and stuff that they had for sale there, it was like, you know, God's rainbow, the true meaning of the rainbow and stuff. Like, they're not pulling any punches. Like, it's a pretty gutsy ministry that advocates for homeschooling and advocates against a government intervention in in, uh, parent-directed education. It's pretty solid, like some pretty unpopular opinions these days. And they lean right into them and praise God for strong guys like that. The other thing that I would just say, like between the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, because the Ark Encounter, so the Ark is there, but then there's also the Answer Center. There's like, they have a, a whole zoo and they have like zoologists and a bunch of people there who talk about various, I would say, evidences for creation. And they do like animal exhibits and all that kind of stuff. Even down to like kids' playgrounds and, and stuff like that. The whole grounds, they do it all very well. But what I was blown away with was just the sheer size of, of I guess, Ken Ham or the Answers in Genesis vision. Like you said, it shows you the daunting task of Noah. And obviously the, the biblical narrative is is what should be at the forefront of our minds. But as I was there, I was just like, good job for Answers in Genesis. They dreamed big. And Gabe Wrench, who obviously is part of Cross Politic, and he was sort of the MC of the conference, he puts a lot of this stuff together. Um, he mentioned how he was in getting ready for this conference. They went down and looked and talked to Ken about, uh, you know, having the whole conference there and everything. And he kind of in jest said to Ken, like, oh, $100 million to put all this on. Like, why didn't you get, just give that to the poor, right? And like, just in jest, because, you know, Judas asked that question. <laughs> the last we're at the... Uh, uh, when Jesus got anointed by the sinful woman. But Ken Ham was just like, and that was where we got that information. He's like, how many non-Christians does your church minister to every year? Because we get 300,000 non-Christians through every year. Yeah, there is. And that's not to disparage the work of the local church. Obviously, that's just showing like, you know, he has a heart for the lost and that's what sort of led him to build an ark in Kentucky. Like, it's, it's pretty crazy. I, I did laugh at how many times like Gabe would at the conference just throw out like digs on the fact that he built it in Nowhereville, Kentucky. Yeah, seriously. Because like we were in Nowhereville, Kentucky. Like yeah. my hotel, it seems like it was the only thing there for like 20 years. Like yeah. it's like um, I stayed at a very seedy hotel. I won't say the name just because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> so let me redirect into the actual conference part of it because yeah. that's like why we went to the Ark in the first place. What would you say the big idea of the actual conference was for anybody who hasn't listened to the talks? Um, I shame on you if you haven't. But yeah, uh, I would encourage people first of all to yeah go and uh, and listen to the talks. I guess the big idea. So the conference itself was called um, the Politics of Six Day Creation. 
the big idea would simply be don't be embarrassed and don't apologize for what the Bible says about creation, right? Like, I think that was sort of the big idea of the conference. And all the speakers kind of handled it in their own way. But the whole idea here was just that there's a play that's been run on the church. And I mean, I thought Toby did a great job kicking off the conference on the first uh, talk when he was talking about Francis Collins and uh, BioLogos and how theistic evolution has wriggled its way into. And just as a side note, like Tim Keller would be put up there by reformed Christians as like a hero of the faith. And like, I do think he did some good things, but some of Tim Keller's legacy was making a pathway for theistic evolution into solidly orthodox you know, reformed Christendom. That's not a good legacy. And this happened as a way of, uh, because Christians became embarrassed of their position. And and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Ken Ham showed some videos of William Lane Craig, who's yeah, obviously a Ken very, Ham. yeah, who's obviously a very uh, popular Christian apologist who flat out said that Christians ought to be embarrassed of our view of the age of the earth and our understanding of the scientific evidence for an old earth. And that that ought to, you know, we would be doing uh, Christ and the kingdom a disservice for continuing to propagate a 6,000-year-old earth. Well, and then there was the, the clip of Andy Stanley, who has obviously a plethora oh, of problems, yeah, but you, you can almost see the foundation of his problem when he said, if it comes up to what the word of God says versus what science says, we side with the science. Yeah. And it's like, I what? literally, I was like... <laughs> I thought you were a heretic before, but my, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, are you serious yeah. right now? I understand sound bites can be things. So like Ken Ham did a great job of like, he showed 10, 15 different like yes, he did. little, little clippets. So it's not like, oh, we One just sound bite. Exactly. Yeah. Like here's a multiple times of William, William Lane Craig and some other guys like throwing basically shade at scripture for the literal view of, of Genesis. And he backed it up with like, here's all the proof. Ken Ham literally crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. He did a great job. I was, yeah. yeah. Just a few plugs, I guess. Rowdy Christian Apparel, I think is the name of the company, Rowdy Christian Apparel or whatever, is what does the cross-politic merch. And I think that kind of sums up, I guess, like, what does it mean that we're a part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast network? I think the whole idea here is that this is a network of, I would say, solidly reformed Christians who have the crazy notion that the Christian faith can transform the world around us. But the way it transforms the world around us is to not be embarrassed about what the Word of God says and constantly apologizing for it. We don't want to be that Christian generation that is constantly defensive and trying to defend our views. We want to go on the offense and say, this is what the Word of God says about the world that you live in. So you kind of have to deal with it. God created the world in six literal days. The earth is 6,000 years old. Evolution is a lie. Deal with it. Right. And, and I think that that's what the conference was all about. And that's really what the network itself was all about. We just zoomed in on the idea of creation, because the reality is, is that if you lose Genesis, if you lose the creation narrative, you lose everything. Because even when you look at some of the words of Jesus, he roots so much of what he quotes and says, the authority that he teaches with in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And if that's not real history, then you run into all kinds of theological issues with the gospel itself, because then you have Paul comparing a real, literal Jesus Christ to a figurative, symbolic Adam. So you lose even the gospel potency in the book of Romans. So you have all these Christians who would say, oh, I can look at, you know, Genesis's poetry and stuff. And I thought Joe Rigney did a phenomenal job just exegeting the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and just the framework hypothesis and poetry and all that kind of stuff, just kind of dismissing all of it in, a, in one foul swoop. 
But yeah, I, I thought it was a great conference in that regard. I thought it was really interesting in the mindset because like, why are we going to go down and talk about Genesis? Yeah, I get it. You're at the at the arc. But like I heard a lot of people like kind of almost ask that question while we were getting the runway up for the conference. Like, well, well yeah, but we all understand. I don't think people understand how much is at stake if we toss away Genesis 1 through 11. It might have been Ken Ham again. Talked about the idea of like, if you chop that down, here's all the things you lose. Because our authority for all of these things is based yeah. on Genesis. Complementarianism, the gospel, fall of man, the age of the earth, like death before sin. All these things are foundational to what we believe. Even if you don't go into like, it cheapens the gospel in Romans, it cheapens the gospel in First Corinthians and things like that. So it's foundational. And like, I thought all the speakers in their own way did a great job as well of just bringing it back to the idea that this is what the word of God says. Yeah. It's the idea of like, if we are Bible believing Christians and like fundamentally almost everybody, even, even the guys we don't agree with oftentimes they would likely say that about themselves. Yep. Right. But that means we have to take what the Bible says for what it says. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean we can play gymnastics with, oh, there's a gap theory and all, all these things. And I realize there's been great men throughout history who have got this wrong. Yep. If we want to see culture change the way we, we all propagate that we do, then we have to start getting things right, not wrong. We can't just build on somebody's faulty foundations. Yeah. We have to reclaim the foundation. So like, while it might not seem like this is the most pressing issue, it is the most pressing issue because wokeness comes out of the fact that we've done away with gender roles that got ordained. And then therefore we have the secularism and, and wokeness in our culture today because we've given up those yeah. things. And I, I can't remember if it was Wilson who was also phenomenal. He, yeah. he always kills it. Yeah, all. He yeah, already have like that. It feels weird to like praise him. Like, it's yeah. like, obviously he's amazing. He's the best yeah. in the world. Guy's been crushing it for 40 years. So. <laughs> Can I just point out like one of the things that I thought was just so awesome to watch at the conference. Now we were able to see a little behind the scenes more than others, I would say, but just the fruit of somebody's faithfulness for 40 years yeah. now bearing fruit. That's like, well, Toby's a youngish guy. Ben Merkel's not young, young, but he's youngish, young guy. Joe Rigney works there. Like the cross politic. And then it's like the multi-generational faithfulness. We're now actually starting to see the fruit for 40 years of his ministry. Just like the patriarchal respect that they have for Doug. He kind of gets this bad reputation of like a meanie, but like, I don't know if, if you haven't ever been in a, in a room, he is a teddy bear. Yeah. Like he's full, of joy, like, right? full of joy, yeah. full of love, full of, but like, just like what we say Christian men should be. There's a lion in there. there it's hid behind the, the lamb, but there are, when, when God's reputation is at stake, watch out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I thought he was phenomenal. And I thought so. just on that note, I thought that was really good. I thought like the guys, uh, Toby and Chocolate Knox and Gabe do a great job of honoring Doug whenever they can. And that's obviously really nice to see. But it was even cool just watching like Ben Merkel did one of the talks, but seeing him and Rebecca, who's obviously Doug's daughter there, you know, and so you're like you said, and they're there with their kids and all this kind of stuff. So you are seeing this multi-generational faithfulness and a lot of, I would say, cross politic, which then becomes the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network and everything. A, a lot of this is built off the influence that Doug has had. But then you also got a chance to see Ken Ham and we were at the Ark Encounter and like he's a guy, I think he's in his mid 70s or so. So you have these two guys 
who have just lived, like I remember when I was in youth ministry, which is going back almost 20 years now, we used Answers in Genesis curriculum for the junior high. And I remember when I first discovered Ken Ham at that time, his whole presuppositional approach to apologetics, he was my first presuppositional apologetics mm. kind of guy. And of course they go into evidence, but it's starting with presuppositions. And, you know, I didn't get to Van Til and Bonson and those guys until much later. So you're looking at like the multi-generational faithfulness of a guy like Ken Ham and the multi-generational faithfulness of a guy like Doug Wilson kind of converging, and you're seeing two worlds of faithfulness collide there. And it just makes you think, like obviously both those guys are humble enough guys that they would hate the fact that we're talking like this, but you just see guys who dream big, who are faithful in terms of their Christian duty and are faithful within the various spheres that God has given to them man, the sky's the limit in terms of the cultural impact that those guys can have. Like you look at the legacy of Ken Ham and obviously he didn't do it alone. And he would probably thank a thousand people if, if we gave him the mic to do so. But like, man, the Creation Museum and the uh, Ark would not be there without his faithfulness and his big dream and his faith in God. Yeah. And Doug Wilson, same thing with you look at everything that's coming out of Moscow. And, and so anyway, it just, it was very encouraging. I agree with you yeah. and just seeing that a Christian who's faithful and dreams big can change the world. Yeah. And, and like, I know it's cringy. Like if, if somebody was praising me like that, it would be, I would feel like a little embarrassed, but like we're praising God for him because we recognize that God's the one that did all the work. Like his, his faithfulness is because God's done a great work in his life. And then he's been faithful to that. So it's like, it actually brings glory to him. Yes. But more so it directs our, our attention to the, the glory of the, of the Lord because he's fulfilling promises. We're seeing it totally fulfilled, right? And that's just wonderful. Can I just tell you my favorite part of the comments? Please, yeah. You had already left because you like had responsibilities to get home to. I hope this goes on the network or when you can watch. Toby did like a charge at yeah, the end of the conference. I know you're telling me about this. And like... What was crazy about it, like, it was right after cross like, his voice is clearly gone. Like, he looks like he's, like, he can barely speak. It's been a long week for those guys, totally, right? Totally, yeah. And he gets up and he's like, he's almost like he's, uh, just kind of reads it and he's kind of like got this, like, relaxed demeanor. And then he just, for about 10 minutes, he gives like a charge. I can't recall all the words, just know that it was 10 minutes of gold. Um, <laughs> he basically says it's time for Christians to stop apologizing, hmm. but not in that like way that right. As soon as you said that we all go to the, the rowdy Presbyterian right. kind of like be a man, tough up. It was kind of like stop apologizing for God because God's not the one on trial. He didn't, he didn't say that, but that's just kind of the, the idea. And it was like, how often have we inadvertently tried to soften the, yeah. what scripture says in, in so many different ways. Even when we're like, no, I'm a six-day creation, we're almost apologizing for it. We don't apologize for how God's ordered the world to work. It's the right way. Everybody else is the one that are doing it dumb. We go forth living the way God has ordained. And I know, keep saying the like his his blood-bought world phrase, but like just deal with it. Like his charge was like, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it terribly, so listen to it. It was brilliant. It's funny how like you can go to a conference, listen to Doug Wilson, listen to them all preach for an hour because they all preach for over an hour. Yep. And a 10 minute little charge at the end as they're about to send us off for food. Was worth the was, wait. It was worth the whatever it cost to get down there for that because it was like that was such a timely word. And everybody who listens to this is going to hate the fact that we didn't like link it or be able to recite it well because I, I literally, I tried to walk up. I was like, I'm always hesitant to make a big deal of like go up and talk to these guys. Yeah, yeah. I almost wanted to be like, can you literally just send the transcript? I would love to read that to my church. Um, and I realize it's a, it's a fight, laugh, feast specific thing, but it's like, it, it felt like it transcended that. 
Actually, I'll say that about the whole conference. I think there's infinite value for the men and women who listen to this podcast to just go and listen to that, but don't even listen to it just because you're a Fight Laugh Feast fan. It's fundamental to... We'll to try to faith, find it. Right? Hopefully they'll post it. And if, if they've posted it, we'll put the link in this uh, episode when it when it airs because we're a couple days before this is going to release. So we'll see. We'll, we'll try to get it. Last thing I would say is one of the things that it made me think of, we had some meetings behind the scenes just as a network in terms of our goals and, and what we want to do in terms of the network. And I would just say that Toby and Gabe and Knox, they have some big plans for the network and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of all that. So what I would just say is one of the big takeaways I kind of had was as Christians, I think now there really is this cultural moment where I think there is a hunger, right? How many Christians do you know have canceled their Netflix, have canceled their Disney and all this kind of stuff because it's all gone woke and the facade, we've said this before, the facade of neutrality is is melting away in areas like sports and politics and, and education where there's never been neutrality, but there was this feigned neutrality that's not there anymore. Everything is getting pushed to the side and everything is getting revealed. And more and more, I think now is a great time for Christians to invest in big dreams of Christians who are doing things well. Mm. And so whether it's Canon Plus, whether it's a Fight, Laugh, Feast, whether it's Answers TV, whether it's whatever it is, Yippee, there's lots of, of good Christian stuff out there. Loop.tv is another good one. They were advertised at the conference. Ezra Institute's working on its own learning portal, all these kinds of things. Find a Christian organization that is trying to take back what you hold dear, whether that's TV, whether that's podcasting, whether that, like whatever it is, whatever you love, if there's a Christian who is doing it well, go out and pay for their content. You know what I mean? Like go and support your musicians like Brian Sauve, go out and, and support content creators like Chocolate Knox, go out and support the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, go out and support loop.tv, you know, do those things because that's how we are going to build a culture that can actually combat the wicked culture that I think a lot of Christians are waking up and walking away from. Yeah, so, so invest in what you want to see in the kingdom of God. Yeah, I heard you basically tell me that you want me to start my own Premier League. Go for it. Go with for all it. Christians. <laughs> I don't know how I got that. Out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's great. We can't speak more fondly of what just happened in Kentucky. So go listen to the talks. Tell us your favorite things. We want to hear from you guys. But yeah, it was great. Great conference. Yeah. Peace. See ya.